I tell our story as a family of walking with our son through his addiction. We lost our son in 2017 to a drug overdose, but what was kind of transformational for me was actually having to take a look at my own behaviors and what was going on in my own story as a workaholic. Addiction comes in many forms and coping behaviors come in many forms. And for me, it was around uh, the desire for deep affirmation. This is Getting to Yes, the podcast with leaders from all walks of life, exploring their successes, mistakes, and lessons learned in influence and persuasion. Getting others to say yes, and then taking an insight or two to help them achieve even greater things. Let's face it, life is complex with a seemingly never-ending list of daily decisions. Each day, we're bombarded with tens of thousands of micro-messages, each vying for our attention and each draining our limited cognitive reserves. And that's why I'm so excited about today's guest, Teresa McCloy, author of Do What Matters and certified coach, spiritual director, podcast, and keynote speaker. And Teresa believes it's not about getting more done, but why we're doing it in the first place, which is really drawn from her story as a recovering workaholic and her journey to a new way of truly living. And so having read her book, Do What Matters, I knew I had to have help her spread her message and her real-life framework to discover a deeper, more meaningful source of productive energy. So, Teresa, welcome to the show. Oh, it's so exciting to be here. It's been great to meet you at the event we were at. And uh, yeah, to spend this time together is going to be super fun. Yeah. As a keynote speaker, you're obviously touring the country, you're speaking at different events. And your book is really amazing because it is in one way about time management, but I think it goes so much deeper on really untangling how do people make decisions? How do people guide their life? How do people go from one part of their life to another? How do you transition? And you share a hugely powerful story in the book, uh, your own journey that inspired the book. So why don't we start there? Absolutely. So in the very first few chapters of the book, I tell our story as a family of walking with our son through his addiction. And so we lost our son in 2017 to a drug overdose. And But what was kind of transformational for me in walking with our son was actually having to take a look at my own behaviors and what was going on in my own story as a workaholic. And addiction comes in many forms and coping behaviors come in many forms. And for me, it was around uh, the desire and the drive really for deep affirmation. And we can talk about that later, but just the story I was telling myself and the story that was going on in my head that kept me from really living the life I wanted to. And so our son's story became that aha moment for me of, I have to look at my own junk in the closet, uh, just like our son was. It's strange to say, but... That to me is how my son's story lives on is because I'm grateful for the work that his story caused me to do. And it's honoring to my son to continue to do this kind of work to help people. You know, the subtitle of the book is Live From Rest, Not Rush. 
And that's really the work that I feel like I'm going to be doing the rest of my life, kind of through that lens of what we walk through in a very tragic situation. Yeah, absolutely. Life is certainly seeming to get more and more complex. It's never becoming easier. And so, you know, how do you navigate through this? So it's really important. And I think how you think about these elements is one way how you react to things. So one of the things that you really talk about is that life, there's rhythms and routines, there's ups and downs. So why don't we start there and really see what so many people seem to forget that it's important to rest, renew and review uh, what's going on in your life. So as that recovering workaholic, you know, much like you as an entrepreneur and many people that are in this space, we read all the books, right? You and I were just talking before the podcast about books and we read all the books. This one's going to be the one. This one will help me create the best, you know, system or process. And what's interesting is it's really about you figuring out your unique system and process. And sometimes that's frustrating because when we're driven people, we just want some, somebody to give us the answers and say, just do it this way and it's going to work. Here's the five habits for your morning. Here's your evening. Here's what you'll do in the middle of the day. Here's how you'll manage your time. And that was the roller coaster I was on and it just wasn't working. Actually, it was driving me even more to kind of get it right. And so I had to design my own modern day rule of life is often what I call it. What's the foundational who I'm going to be? And out of that being, then what am I going to do? Not what do I do? And that'll create my ideal life. That's the upside down way that so many of us are living. So doing the work, creating your real life process, your framework. And we give you some ways to do that, but it's a pretty loose framework, to be honest. It's really asking you more questions and thoughts and giving you ways to write it down, not saying if you'll do it just like this. So rest is a part of it. That's how you sustain it, is making sure that you are resting well. Reviewing on a regular basis is a part of that sustainability of your rhythms and rests or your rhythms and behaviors and routines. And then also what's renewing to you. I think that's one thing when you're either in the entrepreneurial space or you own your own business or brick and mortar, whatever it might be, is we don't really know what we do for fun. We really don't know what we do that's renewing. Yeah. And yet, many times our most creative ideas, our best thoughts, the up on the balcony view that I often talk about comes in renewable energy, right? The renewable part of us, renewing. So that's the sustainability of uh, some of the other components that we have in the process. But it really is living from the being part of self into the doing. And that nicely ties into a previous podcast episode with uh, Dr. Lara Salia. I think it was episode three, where she really talks about creativity comes really from a state where you schedule fun and play and creativity in your life and you hone that muscle because otherwise you'll burn out if you just let work and the flows of work and the demands of work dictate your behaviors. And, you know, I think from your story, when you're told being in, in a rural area of the country and, you know, having of being centuries of farmers, obviously farming dictates much of your life and you got to do what you got to do. But how do you schedule life around it? And for you, obviously, and I think for many people, they really have the regret to have is, hey, 
I should be more with my family, with my friends. And, you know, what is the true why, the why behind in your life? So we talk about that in our third component where we talk about how you're going to take your everyday ordinary life and really put it into your calendar, right? Like, because you can't just stay in the being, you can't just be up in the clouds and this is how I want my life Mm -hmm. to be. And it's going to be great. At some point you have to put it into action. So now we move to the doing and the actionable part. And once we're trying to look at our calendar and what's going into my week, what's going into my month, we can go back to that original plan. Here's the big rocks in my life. Here's the things that matter, people being one of them. And we've really kind of pre-decided, and I know that's a word that we want to talk about here on the podcast, is that pre-decision piece is huge. I've already decided what I'm going to say yes and say no to in these big areas of my life. And so now I can plan my calendar very purposely around the things that matter to me, the people that matter, my own self-care and soul care, the big rocks that I want to move forward, the projects that I'm working on, and the prep, the everyday ordinary things we have to do kind of fall in the cracks and the crevices. But if I can put in these big things because I pre-decided that these things matter to me, that's a huge piece. Absolutely. And that really ties into the premise of the podcast that getting to yes, obviously, if you know what you want to say yes to, then everything else becomes easier. And, you know, as we sift through all these decisions each and every day, knowing, okay, this is a definite yes, this is definite no, and really protecting our time and our focus is so critical. So while some people think that calendaring and is too rigid, uh, it's too organized. The flip side is if it's not on your calendar, it will never get done. It's not important. And for me personally, working with integrative and functional medicine doctors, I hear this all the time. I don't have time to do it. And secretly channeling your book, I'm thinking, oh, you just don't prioritize that part that this is not important enough. And so that's why it's not on your calendar. That's why you don't choose to work on it when you're most productive. And you let all the fires that happen up in in daily life really rule your day. And so for someone like you're working with right in the functional medicine space, maybe those clients that you're working with or any of our listeners, the clients they might be working with, or even in your own personal life, right? You have to look at even what am I avoiding by doing the things that feel like they're productive, right? What am I avoiding? Is there a bigger decision I need to have already made here? So if I say that, for example, I'll use this, my extended family, my parents are still living. And so if I say that my parents in their 80s and 90s still matter to me, and they're a big rock in my life, it's a season of life that I'm in, but yet they're nowhere on my calendar, even once a month, or a phone call that I'm saying every Saturday, I'm going to call my mom or whatever it might be, then what I say over here and what I'm actually doing does not align. I decided this mattered, but then I didn't live it out. But if I decided it mattered and I pre-decided that, and then I go ahead over the next three months and I say, I'm going to go out and I'm going to grab some time with my mom here, and I'm going to make sure that Christmas is planned and I'm going to do this, I don't have to think about it again. It's done and I value it and it matters to me and it's showing up in my calendar and it lets off all this pressure 
of now what am I going to do? When am I going to do it? And so just looking at those next two to three months around the things that matter to you is important. And I remember working with one of my clients, kind of similar to what you were just saying, and it was around this topic. He loved his parents. They lived a few hours from him. Big business guy. And I would say, what matters to you? My family. Okay, then could we just call your mom once a month? Yeah, I can do that. So it's small incremental steps that you take over time. You don't have to turn the ship all at once, but can we do one thing in the next 90 days that would make a difference around something you say matters to you? For me, I feel indecision and procrastinations are probably the biggest ways we're sabotaging ourselves because by not making a decision, we're still thinking about it. The mental tape is running. We're dedicating brain power, processing power to making this decision. If you know you're going to make the decision anyways, then make the decision and move on and free up that mental space. But it's almost like an open loop that never gets close. And as you said, maybe sometimes it's it's about doing something uncomfortable that we don't want to do or we have to learn new things and the brain secretly protects ourselves. Hey, let's not start this new thing because I actually don't know how to do it. And it's easier to just think about it instead of deciding to actually do something about it. But it can be so freeing when we just decide saying, this is how I roll. Done. The decision is made. And now all this extra rumination is gone because you just feel, okay, it's on the calendar. This is what I do. I've decided. And then go from there. Decision fatigue is a real thing. And I remember researching it and looking at it. And, you know, I always say it's why we choose ice cream or something unhealthy chocolate at late at night, because our brain actually needs to rest at night and create these, you know, new spaces in our brain. The neurons mm -hmm. have to refire and get all ready to go again for the next day. And when we get late into the day, we need to make decisions throughout the day and have great brain power, but that's going to go away. So the more things we can pre-decide, the better. And pre-decision to me really comes from a different space. And this is a little bit more into the spiritual space of pre-decision is discernment. I'm discerning, I'm sitting with this, and I'm taking some time on a retreat or whatever and saying, you know, these are the six to seven areas in my life that really matter. I can't mm -hmm. do it all. I know we think we can, but we can't. So in this season of my life, I'm discerning that these things matter. I have a bucket in my life. My husband and I are open nesters. I don't call it empty nest. I call it open nest. So we're open nesters. So I have a season, a bucket in my life called travel and recreation because I love to travel and I want to do great things with my spouse. That's not going to be a bucket that everybody has in their life because of their season of life. So we get to discern in this season, these are the things I'm saying yes to. What a freedom. Then I can measure everything that goes into my calendar from those places, those six or seven areas. If it doesn't fit in there, it's a no. Done. Move on. Close the loop, as you say. <laughs> yeah. And ultimately, what comes up for me is really that when we're growing up, we want to get it all done, as you said, and we're intentionally or unintentionally overloading our schedule. It's physically, mentally impossible to get everything done. And yet, we're not really balancing it correctly. We're not scheduling these 
periods of rest and digest into our days, into our lives, into our weekends. And then we wonder why we're burning out. And ultimately, again, another form of self-sabotage that by overscheduling yourself, you're almost guaranteeing yet you're not getting it done and that you're mad at yourself that you didn't get it all done versus saying, listen, I'm only human. I'm in this part of my life. I'm older than maybe other people and I can't get everything done. So either I delegate it, I decide not to do it at all, or I'll do it later and defer it. But these are critical things to protect our brains, to stay resilient, to stay healthy, and ultimately, as you would probably say, happier. That, you know, we're, we're, we don't want to create more misery in life by overscheduling and getting stuck or staying stuck in these unhealthy patterns. And I think one of the ways, at least, that I have found in my own story and in my own life and in the process I created that was helpful is to get up on the balcony of my life on a regular basis. So in our system and process that that I'm sharing with the world, I'm saying, hey, go on a one-day or two-day retreat or getaway on a regular basis. Don't just plan, these are my goals for the year, and now I'm done. But get up on the balcony three or four times a year in a retreat or a weekend or a day-long thing to pre-decide as much as you can around those big rocks, um, around your needs and your values and all this work that you can do. Then go out and do that for 90 days and then come back. That rhythm feels so good when you get into it because you think, okay, I'll think about that on my next retreat. I'll think about that on my next getaway, but I don't have to do it right now. That's a being thing. That's a down in my soul thing. I don't have to do that right now. I'm implementing what I planned. So that rhythm, that's another part of the rhythm routines and behaviors that you get to live into. Doesn't happen overnight, but the more you do it, the deeper you'll be. And you really do live from a place that feels very restful down in your gut and not rushing from external, but it's coming from your internal true self. Yeah. Amazing. So we'll definitely put the uh, the book in the show notes, Do What Matters. Uh, you can get it at dowhatmattersbook.com. And since we just talked about sort of these seasonality of planning ahead and then being and executing, let's switch gears and actually flip it the other way around, you know, in your keynote, you said every day has extraordinary moments in it. You just have to recognize them. And you've been sharing these moments on your Facebook feed for the last few years. So why don't we talk about these reward systems or these uh, practices of gratitude um, and, and how to develop those? Absolutely. So, yes, I have been, I think today will be 1,480 two or three days. And what I do is I just take a picture every day and then I just write a little something about it and post it on my personal Facebook feed. And it's become a gratitude practice. It really has. It could be everything from a picture with a friend to a sunset or a sunrise or a flower or pictures from our farm or an event that I've been at, a place I've spoke. It could be anything. It's just saying what today was the one thing that I'm grateful for that was an extraordinary moment was the one thing that stands out to me in the day. It's really a practice in a spiritual place of daily examine. I'm just looking at my day and saying, here's the one thing. 
And I learned that when we were walking through the difficulty with our son of just saying, because there were many days I was like, I can't think of anything about today (laughs) that's been good, but yet they were there. I just wasn't present and noticing them. And as I began to practice being in the moment, not being way out ahead and trying to fix tomorrow and pre-plan and hair on fire, there were spaces. I just had to pause and take them. So that's part of the process too, is learning to notice the extraordinary moments and be grateful for those things. So it's just one of the spiritual practices that we talk about. So for you, does it happen at a certain time of the day that at the end of the day, you look back? How do you realize in the moment? Usually as I'm winding down, (laughs) yeah, I'm winding down my evening. It could be the transition from, you know, the work to the home. I think those transitions are important. But it's not always at the same time every day. It's sometime usually between 6 p.m. and 9 p.m. And I just pick up my phone and and just kind of been like, okay, this is the moment. It has to do a lot with when I'm ready to turn off for the day, if that makes sense. And I try really hard to guard my my screen time, my phone time, my social media time, so that I'm present with my husband in the evenings or with whoever I'm with or with my own self. So many times it's right around that time where I'm ready to kind of transition out, which is something I think entrepreneurs have a really hard time doing because we can work whenever. And we brag about that. We wear it like a badge of honor. Like I can work whenever I want, wherever I want. And I'm like, really? Can you? And for how long would you be able to sustain that? Because that was my story. So it's it's kind of a, a motion for me of shutting it down. Yeah. but. I think also, you know, you have to have the ingredients on your phone, which then forces you during the day, be present and pay attention to what actually could constitute a memorable moment and an extraordinary moment that you want to capture. Yeah. I do. Yeah. I'd probably take in a day, I'll probably take four or five pictures in a day. And then it's kind of looking back over those But then sometimes somebody will send me a picture now that they know I do this. Sometimes people will send me a picture or I'll see a picture of something else and I'll say, ah, that, you know, it could be a quote that somebody has on their social media, something that touches my heart. And so the awareness piece is really what's been created in me is an awareness to look at the entire day as, is this the one? Is this the moment? And that just sets up a different mindset for me of just awareness of it's everywhere if I'm just aware of it. Yeah, I think people know that gratitude and having these daily routines of self-care or, you know, you said soul care, which I really love, so important. It was the same thing that another podcast guest, Linda Fogg Phillips, said that when she went through a tough period in her life where she just couldn't think straight. There was so much coming at her. She just decided to start a day with gratitude and saying uh, today will be an amazing day. And I think it's putting that into the ether, putting it out there into the universe that you expect great things to happen for you. That's important. That really shapes your perception of life and ultimately makes you a happier person as you go through life. Well, and I think it ties into what you talk about of getting to the yes. When we're looking for the yeses, when we're looking for them, even in the smallest of things, 
I love flowers and I love growing flowers. And when I can see that flower bloom and I just notice that, it's like, yes, that's the word that comes to me. So I think it does shape that mindset, you know, as Linda talks about with habits, like we create in our brain then a habit to look for the yes not look at it as, well, that didn't happen today. It's like, it's happening. It's going to bloom. It's going to be tomorrow, but it's going to be a yes. Absolutely. Teresa, it was a lovely interview. Really love what you shared. We're going to share the in the show notes your book um, and all the guides and resources that you have. But in, in closing, do you want to have a last word? What you want listeners and people around the world to appreciate or to know? Well, thank you for that invitation. And I would say it would be just what we just talked about, that every ordinary day has an extraordinary moment. You just have to look for them. And if you live in that way, everything else kind of falls into place because that's a being, that's a being center, not a doing center. Amazing. Thank you so much again. And for everyone else, uh, we'll see you on next week's episode. trust this episode was inspiring and that you'll join me for a new episode each and every week. And if you enjoyed this episode, hit subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever else you are listening. And feel free to share it with colleagues and friends. I'm your host, Uli Iselo. See you next week. Music